Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Greetings and felicitations, children of technology. Welcome, welcome, citizens of nowhere. This is the Revenge of History, episode 99 of Agitators Anonymous. I am Alan Averill, the singer in a heavy metal band, trying to make some sense of this world which I mostly do not understand. Episode 99, indeed, almost at the 100 mark. Well, my friends, thanks for making the journey almost to episode 100 with me. The numbers keep going up and up. So if you know someone who might enjoy these ramblings, then forward them a link. If you enjoy the podcast, maybe give it a review. Also, if you know someone who would hate it and be irritated by my inanity and musings, then feel free to use me as your instrument of poking, one of the mildest medieval torture devices. You can now, through Acast, become a member uh, and support the show and gain access to other podcasts over the month. If you want to do that, there are two tiers. I haven't fully mastered the whole thing yet, as my attention span is about that of a flea. Um... So, no doubt I've probably set it all up wrong. You can DM me and advise me if not, but apparently you can support the show through ACAST now. Who knows? Maybe by all accounts, by all accounts, who knows? Maybe all my accounts will be frozen by then anyway, so it won't make a difference. But we're going to get to that later on. So, what I'm also going to do I think is, uh, and this is sort of big news, I suppose, in this little drop in the ocean that is the podcast of Agitators Anonymous, the clue is in the name, um, is that I'm going to make the podcast twice a week affair. Uh, I realize some of you really enjoy the politics and culture and all of that kind of thing. Um, Enjoy the ramblings about free speech and liberty and all this other stuff. Um, And I also realize there are some of you that just couldn't give a good goddamn and just want to break from all of that kind of stuff. You want to hear some dumb metal stories. 
and want to hear some stuff about the music industry. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make one day a metal day or a music day. Uh, this will probably be Tuesday and keep Friday as the social commentary, the agitation, the whatever you want to call it, the observations about politics and culture and all that kind of thing. Um, you know, so the other one, um, you may notice I released a podcast uh, which appeared originally on my Patreon. If you want to go and support me over there, it's patreon.com slash Alan Averill. Tears are as low as a dollar a month because I don't really understand, again, how the principle works. My habit of skim reading through the details is quite profound. Um, so that will probably be Tuesday, not the morning, because nothing good happens in the morning, um, but after midday. I'm not made for mornings. What happens then anyway? Answers on a postcard. You can follow me on the socials, etc., etc. Instagram, Nemthiango underscore Primordial. Um, Primordial also has a new Instagram, Primordial underscore Official, which is years too late, etc., etc., but needs must when the devil farts in your face and all that kind of thing. Um, for the most part, it's people posting uh, tattoos and all sorts of other stuff, old pictures, this and that over there. Um, the tour dates will be listed below for the last tour before Doomsday, which it might very well be with Swallow the Sun in Rome. There's a small change. Um, London has been moved from Monday to Sunday, and Monday has been moved from Birmingham to Dover. Yes, I know I've been getting quite a lot of messages from uh, people around the uh, north and the midlands of England who are pretty annoyed at the change from Birmingham to Dover. Believe you me, it has nothing to do with the band. Um, we would hope that maybe later on in the year we can come over and honour um, or replace those shows, maybe play in Manchester, maybe play in Birmingham as well, Glasgow, who knows, maybe something like that. Um, I have no idea really why we're playing in Dover, but, well, there'll be bluebirds over the white cliffs of Dover, etc., etc. Um, a Vera Lynn reference there. Apparently Vera Lynn has the greatest selling single of all time in the UK. Could that be correct? Have I just plucked that from nowhere? These are the kind of pieces of information, the kind of banal statistics and useless pieces of information that I knock around in my brain while I should have been learning how to speak German or English. There I was collecting this kind of minutia, this madness of small detail. You can have that one for free. The show is sponsored by MetalBlade.com. Uh, you can use the promo code ALAN for 10% off in North America. But I think under this, especially on YouTube and in the description, I will post a link to two Spotify compilations I made of Metal Blade stuff from the 80s. If you aren't familiar with some of the amazing records they released in the 80s, from Trouble to Slayer, all sorts of other things, you can take a listen there and it might spark your memory. Also, before we get into the main body of the podcast, feels like I'm rambling on and on now, but if you're thinking to yourself, this is the kind of show I could advertise on or sponsor, I'm actively looking for new sponsors for the show. So maybe you run a cool ninja star-throwing company, something with heart-stopping amounts of caffeine, which, believe me, I can get behind, or perhaps a secret uranium-developing plant in the Caucasus, uh, then get in touch and we can work something out about that. It doesn't have to be within the realms of the music industry. Um, could be anything in particular, but DM me. 
um, and maybe we can work something out. As I said, the numbers keep going up and up, and um, we're hitting um, we. I speak as if there's some sort of um, crew, some sort of team assembled here behind me. It is just I here in the bunker. But there are thousands and thousands of listens in a week now, and um, I think there are over 300,000 in total. So anyway, what will this episode be about? Well, I'm going to rake over some ground you've heard before, but maybe not thought about in a while. Um, Digital IDs, where exactly did COVID go? When should we expect it to return? Um, Energy issues, how this might affect the music industry. Of course, the war in Ukraine and a few other things. Energy is liberty, my friends. So, I know by now, many of you are beyond tired of being bombarded with images of death and destruction from Ukraine. This is something that is very symptomatic of the modern age, that we generally have about two or three weeks in us, sadly, to, de- to devour the new cycle with avarice, and then we become very tired. I said before, the feeling of inertia, which is my new favorite word, is um, within society, within society, is palpable. But I think we have to realize that this is, and this is the title of the podcast, you know, the revenge of history. Of course, it's a bit hyperbolic, but what do you expect? The podcast is called Agitators Anonymous. We, as the human monkeys that we are in the West, have been, for the most part, incredibly, incredibly privileged to live in a shard of light collectively, if you want to call it that. Now, of course, there are exceptions. If you live in the Balkans, you might be smashing your keyboard um, with rage at this particular moment. No, I haven't forgotten, of course, the war in the Balkans in the um, early 90s. But just hear me out for a moment. The Berlin Wall fell, communism fell, and the West experienced, um, like I said, unless you lived in the Balkans um, or, you know, I suppose the poor regions of Eastern Europe, but even they saw... Um, a considerable movement, an upward mobility. Um, the West experienced upward, lim- upward mobility, um, the emergence of a new middle class. We passed through the gate of the 1980s uh, and from that Cold War paranoia uh, and how pleased we became with ourselves. And now it feels that this light is about to be, I won't say quite eclipsed, but it is very much in danger of having the switch turned, the lights turned off on us. Um, Some people complain to me that I speak in too many of these lyrical hyperbolic passages, but I mean, look, hey, I'm a musician, not a historian, and of course, a lyricist as well, so I'm prone to these sort of flights of um, linguistic fancy, let's call them that. But the revenge of history, of real history, because for most of our past, Turmoil, conflict, and living under forms of despotism and tyranny were most people's lives. We just happen to have had a pretty cushy time of it for the last 20 or 30 years. I can reflect on Ireland being a pretty poor place in the 80s, um, ravaged by migration. We still had the troubles, um, you know, rampaging throughout, well, mostly Northern Ireland. But we, Ireland certainly was a second world country in the 1980s. I wouldn't call it first world. There was, um, there are stories that we had less economic growth than most countries behind the Iron Curtain from 1920s up to 1980 or something like this. And certainly I wouldn't call Ireland first world. But somewhere around the early 90s, like many other countries in Europe, 
prosperity began to spread out um, across society and it lifted maybe elements of the upper working class into what became I consider the new emergent middle class and this tide lifted a lot of boats um, and we have had literally 30 years of living in the um, the sunny uplands of relative prosperity relative positivity um, and of course I think this is uh, reflected in the kind of thing society is currently obsessed with. An empire that has become fat and bloated with a sense of its own importance, drunk on the wine of narcissism. Woke politics, the culture wars, embody this almost perfectly, if you ask me. How society will slowly devour itself in ever-decreasing circles of narcissism and selfishness. Of course, prompted by a decade of social media derangement, which I haven't said in quite a while, as something I talked about a lot in the beginning of the podcast, how it was literally breaking our brains. But for an awful lot of Western Europe, um, post-1990 saw a great growth in society. It saw... Um, further in integration across the EU, um, and it seemed, for the most part, to be working um, for many people, as I said, this new emergent middle class. Um, but what is clear, looking at the events of today, um, is that after the fall of communism, the West, on some level, danced on its corpse, oh, just ignored it and kept on partying. Um, it left Russia to fall maybe too far. Don't forget that after Europe was shattered in World War II. The Marshall Plan um, attempted to reconstruct shattered countries and economies. Now, of course, part of that was that the U.S. feared the Soviets and thus communism would envelop the whole of the West if it was to live in ruins and debris. There was no particular reason why the Soviets needed to stop at that half of Berlin. And I would imagine many advisors at the time thought, well, why can't we not just keep going? And you can see um, some of the same rhetoric. Um, it was only uh, yesterday I watched uh, a Russian TV show, which seems to happen every day, just a three-hour monologue by um, some mouthpiece of uh, Putinistic propaganda stating, why should we stop at the borders of Ukraine? Why shouldn't we keep on going? But the Marshall Plan reconstructed Europe. Um, after communism. But after communism fell in Russia, there was no real safety net of any kind, and people were left literally to sell their private possessions on the side of the road to buy a loaf of bread, the indignity of which no doubt helped shape not only Putin, but many people within the USSR in the 90s in ways similar on some level, perhaps to the German post-World War I society where the Versailles Treaty landed Germany with the bill, crippled its economy and society, and won Adolf Hitler rose from those social ashes with, it would seem, a similar kind of indignation burning in him as we can maybe see right now in Mr. Putin. But, oh, Alan, aren't you falling into the propaganda trip trap of comparing Putin to Hitler? Well, maybe so, maybe so. But something very strange is going on. Or rather, is it, is it really? Is it really? There are comparisons, I think, that can be drawn on some level between how the fall of communism um, literally just left um, the Soviet Union in freefall. And uh, what was once one of the, you know, the big four of the empire 
Um, and then, of course, the state that sat opposite the USA in the Cold War, the other big player in this massive chess match, um, to just free fall. And it would seem that the West reveled in this free fall. They had defeated, they had defeated the evil empire. And you cannot expect that kind of thing to happen without some form of repercussion. It might take decades, but here we are right now. And it feels like this moment we are living through is connected very much to that fall. Well, something very strange is going on, like I said. Are we, are we simply witnessing the same form of vainglorious virtue signaling, propagandizing and censorship that for me defined the state of emergency around the pandemic, only it simply shifted to the next square on the board of play. Pandemic to Ukraine. What's your social media strategy? And it certainly feels like that, um, that for many people, they've just literally just um, scrolled the page and gone, oh, okay, this is the thing now that I care about. And this is the thing that I'm also now an expert on. Just like during the pandemic, and of course you can forgive people because they were told for the first time in um, living memory and recent history to be to stay inside, to be locked inside your house. So inevitably, of course, they're going to take in information from the internet. And of course, this produced many, many, many um, homespun virology experts, um, people who had no basis in any of these things, telling the world how it was. Just like right now, many people I can see who probably couldn't identify um, the Donbass region or Donetsk or Odessa on a map. Maybe they knew where Ukraine was, but they're all of a sudden experts on geopolitics. They're experts on what a no-fly zone is. And maybe that's just the nature of things now. This is how we lurch from emergency to emergency, because people have been encouraged by 10 years of social media derangement to, of course, feed their narcissism by... Um, claiming themselves as experts stroke influencers. And you can see this, of course, throughout social media. This is the new, this is the new thing to be worked up about. This is the new thing to find um, your particular angle and wedge it, wedge that square peg into that round hole, pun intended. But so many people got worked up during the pandemic, and it wasn't just people, the public, of course, it was the institutions of state, uh, technocracy platforms, and it just feels like now they are treating this in the very same way. Um, pandemic to Ukraine, what's your social media strategy? What's clear is there, there's not um, many morals involved. There's very little joined up thinking. Um, and before we get to concepts like, you know, knowing anything about history. So right now we have platforms censoring documentaries, even Oliver Stone, uh, Ukraine on Fire, which purportedly oppose um, this documentary has been censored, um, which purportedly oppose the US government's line on supporting Ukraine. Um, channels are being um, demonetized channels are being disappeared left-wing channels are now being disappeared abby martin for example of course um, of course there are some uh, elements of the uh, spoken um of the talking heads who are now being censored who cheered it on when it was for example uh, people on the center or people on the right or people on the alt-right that they did like disliked but as i stated before and this is the um 
Orwellian truth is that if you do advocate for cancel culture and censorship, be aware of the fact that um, it eventually comes for you because the machine that is in charge um, does not really care either way. And you may think it works for you, but it doesn't. You may think you have the final choice, the final decision. But remember, as I said before, and we can reduce this to the micro level of music, you censor that band, you cancel that band that you dislike in the venue, give it a few months, it's going to be a musician or a band or an author that you like. Um, because that is the Orwellian nature of censorship, because it's not down to you as an individual. I presume you are just a normal individual like me who is among the 99% or whatever you want to call it, and who is not listening to me from a chalet at Davos and going, I can censor who I wish to. Anyway. The platforms, the social media platforms, which censored the debate about the pandemic are now, it would seem quite literally, doing the same thing um, about Ukraine. And whatever the next emergency is, it seems the precedent has been set. Now, this is what they do. They will form public opinion uh, however they see fit, and we just have to accept it. The idea that these platforms um, are social utilities and therefore should be um, subservient to a form of our own democracy or at least answer to someone um, because they are unelected after all and they do interfere with democracy and this seems to have been, well, forgotten and forgotten amidst the horrifying images of war because it does seem a little churlish to be still, you know, right now um, carping on about Oh, but, you know, blah, 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 free speech. And somebody goes, yeah, but look at this. Both can be true at the same time, my friends. It was only two months ago um, when people doing... So what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to try and look at some of the contradictions that are just, like, baffling me and breaking my brain. It was only two months ago when people doing um, Big Pharma or the States uh, work online, the foot soldiers of whatever um, virtue signaling they were identifying with, again, let's say, the collectivist left of the pandemic argument were stamping their feet, demanding, demanding the othering, which is a, an, a good word. It's, an, it's a new kind of phrase. Um, and I think that it speaks to social media's inculcation to our very innate fears of the other. It cultivates the binary choice of good and evil, which we must try, in my opinion, to escape from because that is how we decide that some people are so evil they don't. Um, we must deny them their rights. Um, why should they have freedom of speech? Why should they have be entitled to anything if they are of the other, if they are evil? And so people who had fallen on the collectivist left, and I use that phrase rather surreptitiously, if that's the right word, because I don't really call them, believe they're left, is in the traditional sense of the left, i.e. caring about um, working class people's concerns. But let's call them the new left, whatever you want to say. Stamping their feet, demanding the othering of the unvaccinated. Lock them in camps, screamed many. Lock them in camps. Well, you know what? Apparently, only 30-35% of Ukrainians or so are vaccinated. Why aren't they demanding border guards, checking for vaccination status of the women and children fleeing war. Because by the same logic, if you are that worked up about 
the unvaccinated two months ago. Shouldn't you be stopping them from crossing your borders? Well, now, well, now, or could it be because deep down they never really believed any of it? It was only, I'm sure there were some hypochondriacs who did, but it was only one excuse to virtue signal to their tribe and demonize the other. And slowly, quietly, and sometimes sheepishly, the same, most extreme voices in the media or even in your social circle, or I have heard from many who wanted to be locked down harder and longer, are saying, yeah, that didn't really do much good, really. The stats don't really add up and the vaccine didn't do what we were told. Lockdowns didn't work. And, you know, uh, hmm. and I say, hey, well, it would seem Africa is less than 5% vaccinated. So are you against migration from Africa? Are you against the migration of refugees from um, war-torn countries, potentially because of their status? Again, virtue signaling pantomime. And I think a lot of people should take a long, hard look at themselves and the way they acted over the two years previous to this emergency. Well, that's if they have time before the next emergency comes along. But how is it that we now have left-wing social media commentators and the Twitterati, the Twitterati, it would appear being hawkish about war. Weren't they the people who were screaming in the street when Trump got elected that he would start World War III? And it would appear they don't realize that calling for a no-fly zone might very well do the same thing or calling for your U.S. military intervention. It would seem almost willing World War III. I've read, I've even read articles um, from, I guess, left-wing Atlantic-style uh, websites plainly asking, hey, would nuclear war, um, would it like uh, be pretty good for the climate, you know, as in the deaths of potentially millions of citizens? I mean, there is a podcast there about the origins of the climate movement being forged in the eugenic societies of the world. I mean, if it's man who is destroying the planet, then wah, who would miss a few million of them, huh? Well, anyway, that's a podcast for, well, maybe for another time. And I'm sure it could be quite a spicy meatball. And so the American government, via Jen Psaki, apparently briefed the top 30 TikTok stars on what the U.S. line was and how to push that view on their platforms, which, when you think about it, is incredible. And But I guess this is how you reach young people right now. Dances for Ukraine and making songs about how hot Zelensky is in his uniform. It really shows us where our society is, that we are literally just living through a meme. The TikTok challenge, building a nuclear bunker. Once upon a time, maybe, I suppose, um, you would have saw... Uh, young people protesting the Vietnam War, not wanting to go to war. I don't know. Um, is there an equivalent now to TikTok stars as to back then in the of the anti-war movement of the late 60s, early 70s, or am I connecting dots that don't really exist? But certainly young people would not have been, I think, hawkish for war. But I would imagine most of these people don't really understand what it is that they're um, telling their followers. But this is how things are now. Um, you can dance your way uh, via TikTok or mime your way to a song via TikTok to now potentially having a platform to tell millions of young people how they should feel about um, nuclear conflagration in one, two, three easy steps. I did a little dance movement there, but you know, until I'm 
willing to go on camera, you're not going to see such gems as that. Now, you may say, well, one more point. Not to mention we had our punch a Nazi moment a couple of years ago, right? And now stories about there, you know, kind of being a few Nazis in Ukraine. Well, they just kind of get ignored for the most part. I don't know. More to break your brain with, right? And you think to yourself, speaking of the right, why are you talking about the left so much? Well, let's talk about the right. And the right wing aligning themselves with Putin. I've seen this quite on quite a few uh, platforms. I've seen this across a few different message boards, across a few different debates. I've even heard it from some people that I know. Um, they're aligning with Putin as they think somehow he represents Christian values. Aye, that Christian value of bombing women and children, draping themselves in the romance and nostalgia of empire. Well, ask people from the former Eastern Bloc how life was for them under that empire. But Putin is anti-woke. Well, is this, is this really what you hang your hat on? Um, for uh, invading a sovereign nation, for taking another country's liberty? Well, he doesn't really like the woke. Invading a sovereign nation. I can't have it. I can't have it. Banning Tchaikovsky. Again, the sort of elements of Russophobia. Um, which are going to follow in the wake of this, which are being openly encouraged, I think are absolutely uh, insane. Absolutely insane. But, 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 what has been happening, what has been happening while all this has been going on with COVID? Well, some countries are still forging ahead with restrictions. The German health minister announcing an imminent summer wave. An imminent summer wave. And why? Because, well, it would seem people are being tested every day to use public transport and go to work. So, of course, there are cases when something is endemic. That's kind of common sense, um, you know, uh, and so restrictions will stay. If the, EU really, if the EU really was what it says it was, something united, and we were told that we were told to believe it was, and we're often told to accept the rulings of the EU. Surely they could simply call Ireland. I'd take the call, which is now a scientific case study as we dropped all restrictions, well, two months ago, I guess, and say, hey, Ireland, how's it going over there? Well, okay, let's say it's Mr. Macron. Hey, Ireland, how is it going over there? That's not such a great accent for Macron. How is it going over there? No. I should stop trying to do accents. Anyway, it's fine. You can drop. I'll drop that. I'll drop that. Anyway, they could call Ireland and go, hey, how's it going over there? And we could say, well, nothing's happening. You can drop restrictions. Ah, uh, okay. Because you are actually now fundamentally a scientific case study. But what will we do with all the boosters we got to pay for? And uh, what will my World Economic Forum buddies say? Or maybe... Like the scene in Star Wars, Mr. Mr. Schwab will raise his hand and send Mr. Macron falling to the floor, clutching his neck. Mr. Cushing looking on in admiration. Let's be clear. If you were in a country still with restrictions, and this is political, um, I don't think it's any based on anything else. It's pantomime, I think, and only still existing, in my opinion, for authoritarian reasons. Nothing more than that. This is what happens when something becomes endemic. However, however, that's my opinion. You can disagree if you wish. That's okay. That's what the tenet of freedom of speech is about. Defending the right of those you disagree with the most to have that freedom to speak. However, 
we have the WHO, the CDC and the WEF openly now discussing, as I mentioned in the episode one, the digital ID question. Oh, you knew I'd get around to it. Hasn't gone away, you know. So, of course, if this is the future being forged by the technocrats, then allowing the pandemic to totally disappear into the rearview mirror is not part of this agenda on any level. Um, so take a look at Mr. Trudeau, for example, forged in the fires of the World Economic Forum, open admirer of China, the move towards freezing assets, freezing bank accounts of those who the state opposes is eminently totalitarian, stamping out dissent, freezing people out of their ability to earn. This is, of course, potentially made so much easier if those people's finances are linked to a digital ID system. But as we saw, not necessarily. They can simply be frozen out of life. Um, funding platforms can decide, ah, oh, we don't really want to give them money to uh, that, that cause you decided was your democratic right, but we're going to give it to someone else. Um, they can simply freeze you out of life now. This is not how a democratic society behaves. Of course not. And it's clear to me that the pandemic and now the emergency, the war in Ukraine will be used to further move us towards this technocratic, digital, authoritarian ideal. Um, it might not. It might all fall apart. Who knows? I'm not married 100%, of course, to these things. Everything, as you know, if you've been listening to the podcast, I believe happens in the grey area. But if it lurches even 20% towards all of that, well, that is still could have a meaningly a meaningful impact upon your life. Um, but this is not how a democratic society behaves. Surely this is what we went to war for over all of those years. Um, democracy, right? Well, but of course, the technocratic digital future the 1% wishes for us, and I call them the 1% um, in a sort of flippant kind of way, you do understand that. Let's be clear that democracy is not part of that future, at least how's that, uh, how I see it. And I think the next 10 years will see big moves to completely deconstruct it for your own safety from the other, the othering that is happening right now, for example, to Russian people, um, just this week's othering. It was the unvaccinated. It was the truckers. It was whoever else it was. Um, oh, Alan, why are you talking about conspiracy theories? They ain't. I'm afraid. They ain't. I'm afraid. CTs. Well, we're constantly forced to make binary choices, good and evil, because um, I think state, tech, media, who have a huge part to play in this, have often decided to not explain things, um, in a, you know, to not place the argument in the grey area. <clears throat> to editorialize, to decide what part of the news we should hear for our own good, because that will stop us making um, the wrong decision. Bitcoin, Bitcoin, I can't pretend to know a ton about it. I've tried and I do understand it to some degree, but let me float an idea and it may just be ridiculous. But as the central banks and banking system tries to rein it in, take Trudeau's logic and then fan it out. Does this mean we can expect Bitcoiners to be, trade, to be portrayed as fascists soon enough. Justification for shutting their Bitcoin down, for seizing their assets, demonizing them, othering them. Couldn't that be in the works? I mean, I know this was Bitcoin. I know Bitcoin was designed fundamentally to stop centralized control in the hands of the powerful. But I don't think they're going to let this quietly 
steal away into the night and allow you to operate your Bitcoin without some form of um, interference. And so I could expect this to happen. Putin is the new bogeyman, boogeyman. Well, more bogeyman than boogeyman, in fairness. Um, and therefore, it will be said when all of this calms down, if it does, or if Ukraine just descends into an Afghanistan and we move on to the next emergency, we have to make this sure. We have to make sure this never happens. So therefore, we need to keep our emergency laws. And for your own good, to keep you safe, implement new laws to stop dissident behavior, to stop another mini online Twitter Putin rising. Saudi Arabia beheaded 81 people last weekend, the most in its history. Netflix and chill, huh? This ain't Kansas anymore, Toto. It's the revenge of history. Just an observation, but wasn't Ursula von der Leyen and the Brussels cabal wanting to sanction Poland and Hungary for not towing the line on COVID regulations? And now who is taking the lion's share of refugees? Poland and Hungary. Those conservative and right-wing governments who are pilloried by the EU, um, who don't support um, those binary choices of good and evil, but are now mobilizing to take millions of refugees. It's brain-breaking, isn't it? The paradoxes. Men of fighting age are not allowed to leave Ukraine. But what about men who identify as women? It's a good question, Alan, and it's a, good, it's a question that some people have decided to make the main thrust of their relationship to a war in Ukraine, irregardless of the millions of potential refugees streaming out of this country from a war zone. It seems more important. It seems more important to some people. And that's what I said earlier on. People are, um, they're now so, they so live through whatever their particular, their particular lifestyle is, that it seems more important to them to crusade for that than, for example, um, to maybe consider the potential bombing of a nuclear power plant or we are hearing stories about bombs that suck in the air inwards and create massive fireballs burning everything and everyone alive in its wake. Um, and yet there are people who are online asking questions such as, I don't see anyone wearing a mask in those tragic, tragic images of people trying to struggle onto trains. Why are they not wearing masks? Maybe you should go down to the border with your little QR code scanner and make sure the right people are being allowed in. Is your brain broken yet? And this is before we get to the price of gas and the price of living, which is just going to go up and up. Our minister, our leader, our Tornishta here says we are now on a war economy. We are on a war economy. And this is what might finally break regular people in most countries. Food, feeding their children. I see the poorest in Dublin lining up for the food bank on a Thursday. I'm sure they do it many other days. For my bus, as I take across the city, and the line gets longer and longer. Well, the World Economic Forum better do away with democracy soon as nothing gets the mob rattled more than hunger. Sharpen that guillotine, Mr. Robespierre. To me, it feels like we in the West have been living in a dream world for almost 30 years throwing out old values that we no longer saw any value in, laughing at nation, family, state, ideas of patriotism or belonging, or whatever else you want to say, and considering them almost worthless, laughable even, concerning ourselves with trivialities. The world was, the world has changed. Like Mr. Fukuyama said, 
if I did not just get his name wrong, ah, history's over. We're never going to return to those days. We don't need any of those things. We don't need um, all of those things. We need to con deconstruct it to consider us a blank page from here on in. Well, I'll tell you what, all the time history was waiting in the wings, sharpening its knives, waiting to take the stage again, and it just threw its inkwell over your blank page. So let's tick-tock dance our way through the nuclear wasteland. We might as well fight for our right to party. My friends, this is Agitators Anonymous. That was episode 99. You may agree, you may disagree. That's fine with me. But we must protect the rights of those who we disagree with the most to have their freedom of speech. Because without this, society ain't worth much. And the Orwellian dystopian future we're being pushed towards, well... Democracy is not, in my opinion, part of that cast. So, like I said, if you're not into the politics and the ramblings and the cultural this, that and the other and the things I've been accused of, the sort of whataboutery and whatever else, etc. Well, there will be a musical um, heavy metal sort of element to the podcast on the other day, which I'm thinking is going to be Tuesday. Tuesday. It's a day for metal. It's a day for music. Bang the head that does not bang and all of that kind of thing. So that's how it's going to be. Um, if you want to support the show, go to patreon.com, Alan Averill. Um, there's all sorts of other things going on there. And, uh, you know, rehearsals and discussions and this and that and the other. I'm not really sure how you support the show on ACAS. But if you like the show, give it a good review. That helps me. Share it with other people, etc. Even if it annoys them, share it also. I'm going to take my leave now and get on the phone to Mr. Robespierre and find out how he's doing, conduct that seance and get some tips. I don't think he'd be on TikTok to you. All right, my friends. Agitators Anonymous, episode 99. We are almost there to the 100. Let's hope we get there before doomsday. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.